This is Everything Elite, the world's first and best AEW podcast. It's, I was going to say your friend, but that's way too close to your old pal, so I don't want to infringe on any gimmicks. It's AB. I'm joined, as always, with my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hi, it is your old pal. It's Mike Spears. Uh, I, I'm doing all right. You know, uh, Nate and I were talking about the Nintendo Direct before you got on. I mean, you should be excited. There is going to be future Blyleth content, Aaron. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, you might be able to get a second wall scroll for your recording suite. So, you know, I, I, I was, I, other than uh, Shigesato Itoi forever having me by my heartstrings, you know, I, I, I'm doing all right. How are you doing, bud? Blyleth. <laughs> Tell your children not to. Take down my scroll. Just right into the singing this week. <laughs> we usually, we try to save the singing for the Patreon shows, folks. Don't let that dissuade you from subscribing to the Patreon. Yeah, but it's usually but, uh, Nate singing on the Patreon. giving you the good shit for free. <laughs> well, we save Nate singing for the Patreon. Nate is a good singer. Mm. I, I'm willing to do my singing uh, on the free show. I think a lot about Nate uh, just blasting out uh, Auld Lang Syne on on uh, New Year's Eve or New Year's <laughs> Day, maybe in yeah. Tokyo. Uh, no, it was it was New Year's. It wasn't New Year's Eve for sure. Yeah, it was New, it was New Year's I Day. I actually, I, I went through my Japan picks like two or three days ago, lying in bed, just, uh, you know, upset about the world. <laughs> just like, oh, let me go through all these. Uh, and had the the karaoke pictures in there, indeed. Yeah, what'd you think? Uh, what'd you think of the direct, Aaron? Uh, I thought it was great. I mean, I was thinking a lot about how Square has really figured out that people just want to <laughs> play the old games they used to play. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a that's a very cogent observation, Aaron. Yeah, you alien. So it's like, man. Uh, what a what a great job on part of the people running Square. Uh, not so much the people at Enix, but the people at Square just fucking kill it. Yeah, yeah. No, they're having. Uh, you know, if the if the SNES era was their golden age, I think they're they're maybe arriving in their silver age here. No, it's not right. PlayStation One was their bronze gold, golden, golden, golden age. PlayStation One golden age, SNES silver age. We're probably in a, a nice, you know, bronze plus age now. Bronze plus, just like New Game Plus. There we go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's what I was thinking while I watched the direct. Yeah, I didn't mean to steal. You You actually, I know you said that in a DM earlier. I didn't mean to steal your point that you were making about Square Enix well, and their various ages. Well, I said it before we started recording is what happened. Yeah. But then, you know, figured I would just drop it here on the, just like the singing. I thought. Our listeners are deserving. I was uh, thinking, I went to the symphony this weekend. Oh, did uh, you? Okay. Powerbomb symphony? I, not the Powerbomb symphony. Metallica just, just, and symphony? Not Metallica and symphony. Um, it was, in fact, the Final Fantasy symphony at uh, Chicago Symphony Orchestra Center. Ooh. And I did, I was just kind of sitting there smiling, thinking about how, oh, wow, they really... There was a period in this promotion, and you know it still continues on, 
where they were talking about one winged angel on commentary every week when Kenny Omega was hitting his finishing move. And I was like, that's pretty silly. <laughs> that, of course, that's their big closer, of course, is one winged angel, the Sephiroth theme. I'm familiar with Sephiroth. With the, the full symphony and choir, and it's, uh, it's quite a scene. I'm familiar with... No, can't think of any other Final Fantasy VII people. <laughs> Sephiroth. You made an attempt, I guess. He, yeah. You know, for you, I'm actually kind of impressed that Sephiroth, like, I didn't expect you to pull off Kate Seath out of your pocket. Oh, like, uh... you did. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? I I would be surprised if you pulled out Kate Seath out of your pocket. But, you no, know, that Sephiroth. Mean yeah. Is it, yeah, that's is it like Cloud? Is that a thing? Wow, we got two on the board. Hell yeah, Cloud. No, I'm surprised he doesn't know any of the. You know, of course, we know his his predilection for wall scrolls. We know him to be uh, unfortunately horny at times. Right, but okay. he doesn't know any of the also, female characters. Uh, is, Nate, I think I have the big question for him. Bring it. All right. Bring it. So, Aaron, Aerith or Aerith? uh i'm a big well i'm a big Aerith guy there you go okay there we go you're um you're a revisionist i suppose did you see the did you see the recent political news about final fantasy 7 Aaron? wait tifa hey yeah there you go did you see the recent tifa political news about final fantasy 7 i noticed that there's been a lot of talk about people who are And Tifa. <laughs> That's it. That was all. Oh, okay. And Tifa. Uh, well, there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of Italian Tifa fan art going around. Oh, has I, there? I made a reply to Julie about this. Yeah, you might have seen. Uh, I don't think I saw that. I saw. Okay. Well, your uh, Jeff mode reply earlier. <laughs> My Jeff mode reply to not Julie. <laughs> yeah, no, this wasn't to Julie at all. This was to Lyra. So I, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, all, <laughs> it was also just a tweet out to everyone, and then she replied to it. Yeah, but um, then you replied. Yeah, well, anyway, there was a Zoom meeting of the Italian Senate uh, last month, uh, to which somebody, you know, did a did a Zoom hijacking and started playing animated porn of Final Fantasy VII Tifa <laughs> for the Italian Senate. Sure. So yeah, she's Italian now. Oh wow. Just like, just like Julie, just like Julie, Mario, Luigi, uh, all the rest. <laughs> <laughs> While Luigi, though, he's an agent of chaos. He claims no nationality. Like Mussolini. What? Whoa, Nate! Whoa, 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 whoa! Cut yep. that out! Cut that out! It's the teaser, folks. Okay. Um, what were we talking? Oh, Nate is here. Yeah. Also, hello. A.K.A. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hey, Aaron. Hi, Mike. Here I am talking for the first time on the show. <laughs> um, I went to the symphony this weekend. Yeah? I did. A Powerbomb symphony? I, I bought a $25 program. Boy, that's a racket, huh? <laughs> I'm, it's, at, it's at the end of my room here. It's sitting on the ottoman. Is that right? Yeah. It's like 20, 25 pages, like a dollar a page. 
That's like paying for copies these days. <laughs> Kinkos. Am I right? Um, out of control. It is out of control. Did you get a, a, a any sort of merch other than the... No. That was mm-hmm. it. I mean, the other, you know, they've got full vinyl. They've got vinyl of all their recordings, CDs. Um, the the really in-demand item are little music boxes that play, you know, songs from the games. All right. But those go quick. I bet. You got to be, you got to be lining up in front of uh, Symphony Center hours earlier to get your hands on one of those. Yeah. Do people do that? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> they could. All right. Probably. You know, people line up. People do line up. Uh, we have a Twitter account. It's at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji Heya with two eyes. Subscribe to our podcast, whatever podcast app you use. Uh, we also have a link tree, linktra.ee slash everything AEW, where you can find a lot of links for shit that we do. If you use Apple Podcasts, give us a five star rating and review. If you use Spotify, give us a five star rating. And if you want to support the show, the very best way to do so is to head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up. We have some exciting stuff coming. Uh, we'll kick off our show, as we often do, with elite or delete. The idea is we talk about the things we liked and didn't like from this week's episode of AEW Dynamite. Nate, we'll start with you. Uh, what was your favorite thing from the show this week? Let's see. My favorite thing. I mean, it was a pretty eventful show. Um, pretty great show, I think. More or less delivered on everything that was promised, even as uh, Tony made that uh, as tall in order to fill as possible. That makes sense, right? I think I will go with the debut of quote unquote limitless Keith Lee here on this show. He was the initial teased <laughs> uh, reveal for this show. I do, I, I do want to take a quick aside to take issue with all the AEW talent and accounts tweeting out this graphic that said Tony Khan has a huge announcement on this show. Tony Khan did not make an announcement on this show at all. <laughs> even so, even even when he, while he's, you know, uh, uh, satisfying our expectations, he's still over promising because there was no Tony Khan announcement whatsoever. But we did get a big debut in Keith Lee coming out to face Isaiah Cassidy in the qualifying match for the face of the Revolution ladder match. I had to think about it. There's so many ladder matches: brass ring ladder match, etc. Uh, and Keith Lee just immediately, like, you know, they had a new theme for him. Mikey Ruckus, I believe, came out with the hoodie on. And, like, <laughs> I totally forgot. I'm like, oh, yeah. No, I, I did used to like this guy. I thought there was a lot to like about this guy. He just carried himself like a star, got received like a star. You know, crowd knew all his old indie shit and were chanting that along with him immediately. Um, and just comes down to the ring and looks like a fucking superstar. Uh, and then pretty well laid out match here, I think with Isaiah Cassidy, where they had Isaiah Cassidy in there to eat shit and bump around for him like crazy, which he did a tremendous job at. Uh, you know, even he saved the, saved the big Isaiah Cassidy screaming high pitched spot for, uh, Keith Lee's 
was it his finisher? No, maybe it was the, maybe it was the thrown Samoan drop gimmick. Maybe that is his finisher. Yeah, I think that is his finisher. Um, so that was tremendous. Uh, and then you had Mark Quinn just, you know, <laughs> plugging in there as the other guy to be uh, an annoying little fly and have Keith Lee just swat and powerbomb and all this shit. Uh, and I was like, oh, right. You know, we talked on the uh, Patreon, me and Mike, this week about what this announcement could possibly be. I think I said, you know, I'd probably rather see Swerve Shane Strickland in this spot than Keith Lee if those are those are our options. Um, and I don't know if I'd take that back. I still think Swerve could also be a, a great talent and a potential star for them. Uh, but I, this was like a revelation, like, oh, yeah, no. There was a lot to like about this guy once upon a time. And they just, you know, they did what they are better at than maybe anything else. Uh, no, that's not true. They did what they are much better at, infinitely better at than the other promotion, which is they just let him go out and do his Keith Lee shit and stop trying to uh, actively ruin it and just had him do his big spots and, you know, be overly cool and calm and collected and all this stuff uh, and, and look like a star and beat up some guys and get a dominant win. So um, that I don't know if that exceeded my expectations, but it was the segment itself certainly was executed about as well as it could have been. Yeah, it, it's something about like when you let when you let people do their their shit and you stay out of the way because they know what works. Because the the saying goes, if you can get over in one place, you can get over anywhere. You know, you, you get awesome stuff. And with Keith Lee, it was like the spirit of Laboom was alive in 2022 just because he just like came off like exactly how he was four or five years ago and it was really kind of remarkable to see i mean it's something that having i uh I, we had that conversation nate about when we were speculating about who the uh, uh x was and it being keith lee i think it's something that keith lee has a very and, and i try not to use this word too much but singular kind of like charisma about him that like he shrugs off things and he just kind of just like cranks a smirk or like a kind of a, a cocksure grin towards the camera. And he just comes off like just one of the coolest people in the world. And he got an opportunity, as you said, like with Isaiah Cassidy to have the perfect person for him to get do the Keith Lee match exactly what you want Keith Lee to do in his first match. And it came off like an absolute superstar. So it was an unqualified success. And then, you know, I mean, Isaiah Cassidy going completely diagonally across the ring on a Beal throw still will be like one of those things. I'm just like, all right, I was like, getting excited for the pounce because I knew he was going to do a pounce. But the Beal is the thing that kind of stuck with me because it did feel like he got thrown clear diagonally across the ring and it was incredible. But yeah, no, he felt like an absolute star just from like immediately coming out to taking the second to soak in the basket, my glory chance to, you know, hitting the old ground zero. It was nice to see that as his finish. So that was sick as well. So, you know, they didn't have to do a thing where like, uh, where WWE had to like constantly meddle with it and actively make it a, make him seem like a less of an overstar by calling his finisher the big bang catastrophe or anything like that. They just let him do his thing. And that was kind of awesome to see. But working in the Big Bang into uh, somebody's finish would be great synergy. So they perhaps should consider it. Mm. Big Bang. Chris, that already has that. 
the Big Bang Theory. Oh, that, that's true. The right. driver. Yeah. My bad. Oh, You're right. Okay. You're right. Yeah, I was pretty down on Keith Lee coming in just because he's like very corny. Like his whole vibe is very corny. But he came out here and was a big dude who threw Isaiah Cassidy around and pounced his ass and he looked cool as fuck. I mean, yeah, if he just does that all the time, it'll be sick. I'm terrified for him to cut any promos. We'll see how that goes when when it happens. But if if you just want me to judge the Keith Lee AW experience on only what we've seen so far, qualified or an unqualified success. Excellent. Very excited uh, to see where it goes next. Yeah, I mean, you know, most people in this promotion have some kind of stable. So maybe he gets in with somebody and, and somebody else will talk for him. I mean, or at least maybe his his talking will be limited to, I don't know, not not his Twitter account. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll get, uh, you know, they like to bring in artists to play people out or whatever. You know, I could see the the Tom McDonald, Keith Lee mashup coming soon. Excited for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, right. I did miss his old theme that he would sing in an Evolve. Like that was the, that was like such a cool theme. And I was kind of hoping for a little bit of that, but Mikey Ruckus did all right with it. Yeah. His, I don't know if this was an upgrade over his old theme. Um, Hard to say. I, I haven't heard the old theme in a long time. Uh, I don't know, but it was I do, I, it was good then, for sure. Yeah, I, I certainly remember it being good. All right, Mike, what's your elite pick from this week's show? A lot of stuff to pick for. There is a lot of really kind of cool stuff here, but uh, I'm going off of Aaron's suggested three, and I... I got to say, for someone that they really for a long time have felt like that they didn't re- it didn't feel like they knew what they had in them, Wardlow tonight, it felt like that for like after like this like wilderness wandering phase of him, like it feels like that everything's on the precipice of of him. And the interminably long MJF segment, of, Sean Spears was great in it, but MJ but they constantly cut to Wardlow in the back uh, having great reactions, and then Wardlow doing the powerbomb symphony against the blade. The match was longer than it had any reason to be, but he, the crowd was into him. But like he's on the cusp of the of the big turn that we've been calling for, and maybe it's just me hoping and getting just like the little bit of hope before Tony Khan's would take the football away from us again. But I was like ready for like with the way that they set up the match, the first ever match they set up on the show. Uh, I, I saw Will Washington uh, tweet about that, and it was Punk versus Punk and X versus MJF. Oh, not MJF, sorry, FTR. And I was like, "Oh, is Wardlow going to come back out there?" Like, I, I felt excited for Wardlow now for the first time in a long time, and it, it in a lot of ways he kind of was one of the reasons what saved that just WWE raw ass opening segment, and then he had a really fun squash. So you know. I'm back on the Wardlow train. I'm not ready to declare Wardlow days anymore, but I was really kind of uh, excited to see what might happen now that it feels like we're now back on the path to the face turn. 
Tony Khan just totally 100% confirming my tweet from from uh, this evening about uh, him realizing he fucked up what Forbidden Door meant and then scrambling at the last minute to get Jay White on this show, which he had just admitted to in a tweet. Uh, so that was exciting because <laughs> uh, that was absolutely what I presume happened with this. Uh, Wardlow, yeah, so this is what uh, we talked about last week with the MJF Punk match and like, well, this isn't really any kind of new step for that feud, um, but hopefully it leads to something with Wardlow being a more active element moving forward on it. Uh, and I think they did a pretty good job of that. You know, I, I, the, the pomp and circumstance of the segment was fun. Uh, you know, the, the MJF stuff was all totally functional, but yeah, I think the meat of this, uh, pinnacle segment was punk actually just laying down the challenge to Wardlow and being the first person to voice like in the text of the program, like, Hey, Wardlow, like, grow some balls, leave that guy behind and, you know, uh, be your own man and become a, a winner and, and be on the right side of things or whatever, instead of being MJF's flunky, which I don't know that anybody's thrown the gauntlet toward low like that before. It's, you know, always been subtext on, I mean, you know, very obvious pro wrestling subtext, but you know, it's been, uh, uh, uh the camera cutting to, to Wardlow to react to whatever MJF is doing or, uh, you know, sell for when he has to do something he doesn't want uh and so on and so forth that's the first time anybody's ever like throwing a challenge to wardlow about it so i think that's hopefully the kind of the crux of this feud going forward um and we we got a pretty good tag match out of it here too so yeah i was pretty happy with uh everything from this feud uh on the show oh you're not you weren't kidding Tony Khan literally tweeted that he fucked up what Forbidden Door meant. Yeah, it's exactly what I said, which is that he uh, fucked up and, and said Forbidden Door when it wasn't a Forbidden Door situation. Uh, now, what's funny is, is I, didn't, I didn't secure Jay White until Sunday, which, you know, means there's no grand plan for Jay White in this promotion with, you know, no. with, with the Young Bucks and with Adam Cole now. Um, I guess they, uh, you know, they used it to to sort of continue to drive this wedge with Adam Cole and the and the Young Bucks, where the Young Bucks don't exactly trust him because he brought in Red Dragon. Now he brought in Red uh, uh, Jay White, but yeah, <laughs> we should definitely not take uh, that one appearance as some kind of indicator that oh, you know, Jay White's going to be involved with the Young Bucks now. He's going to feud with Kenny Omega when Kenny Omega comes back or whatever. This was, you know, kind of flying by the seat of Tony Khan's pants, which, hey, sometimes that produces the most exciting stuff in pro wrestling. So Matt Jackson was actually talking to Tony Khan when he said, hey, can you uh, let me know before you do something like this? Because this actually doesn't make any sense in the story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I like Cubs. Cubs maybe did a retcon of it, which is that. Because Adam Cole was in NXT, he missed the entire uh, Bullet Club Civil Wars <laughs> of whatever it was, 2017 to 2021. Sure. Uh, so, you know, Adam Cole just thought he was dialing up an old Bullet Club buddy. Not 100%. That, no, Jay White definitely joined the Bullet Club well after because he was in chaos. It doesn't exactly work, but, uh, you know, the, the feeling is 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 close enough. Why tweet that, though? What? I mean, <laughs> um, well, I mean, hmm. you delivered it, my man, yeah. on TV. It's fine. That's right. He yeah. did. 
he really wanted to put over the fact that he wanted to listen to the fans and wanted to make sure he was giving the fans what they wanted, I guess. That's true. Nobody else was going to give him the credit, so he had to give it to himself. And yeah. he had to tweet this during tapings. Like, they're taping Rampage right now, and well, he's not fire this <laughs> off. We do. I, I did come up with another theory, which is that I, you know, like we said, Tony Khan did not make a big announcement on the show, despite one being promised. Uh, but he did tweet that Keith Lee has signed the promotion. Uh, and, you know, same thing happened with Rampage that me and Mike talked about, which is that they kept teasing something on the TV show for Rampage. Uh, then there was nothing on the TV show. But then Tony Khan was like, hey, here comes all that info I teased, which is going to be the info that he fucked up and then had to fix for this show. Uh, but I think Tony Khan thinks his Twitter account is part of the TV show, Is is the thrust of this. I mean, obviously, we know that Tony was like a, a, a forum poster and whatever, but I do like the idea of like a rich kid that doesn't actually know how Twitter works, you know, because he's just always been in like this rich kid bubble his whole life. And somebody's just told him like, yeah, you type into this and it goes on the TV. It's like, OK, that's how it works. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're if you're that rich and famous, a lot of times whatever you tweet does end up being like you know, the meat of an ESPN segment for 10 minutes because, you it's know, true. they have to have to keep the content machine rolling. But it is funny because they always kind of play it that way. Like, oh, Tony Khan has this, but, and they, re they reference him on the TV show, but he's never actually made an announcement on the TV show ever. Right? Right. Well, he did, like, maybe the closest he came was, uh, he came out holding the contract that he prepared for Fuego in his hand and then whispered to Sammy Guevara and handed him the contract. And he's like, I'm not I'm not taking credit for this. I'm not, you know, going in the ring and signing Fuego because I'm such a good guy. But I am going to be the guy who hands it off to Sammy Guevara to, to do that. All I can say is what a worker. One uh, of the workingest workers in the in the company. Sure. Uh, yeah, Wardlow's cool. Uh, they, you know, I've criticized many times like how they kind of have stories play out or uh, how they deal with their characters. But Wardlow with, I mean, they did a lot of work for it, but the crowd just accepts Wardlow as a, as a baby face. Like when he came out and did this match, the crowd was just going nuts for him. They love the fucking power bombs. Uh, they're not confused at all about what they're supposed to, how they're supposed to feel about Wardlow. Everybody just understands that Wardlow is good and we like Wardlow. So that's been very successful. And it's like the most basic shit to do, uh, but they handled it very well. So that's it, exciting. And yeah, it's not one of those things where you worry, oh God, they keep dragging this out because we definitely have said, hmm, we thought it's coming here. We thought it's coming here. This like turn, but They've gotten to a point now where it still feels organic and like it's, but it's starting to move, right? Like you said about Punk making that comment in in canon, you know, for the first time. And it's like, okay, we're making progress toward something. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when it's going to come, but they're doing it in a way that I feel patient for it. And I'm like, just enjoying watching it play out. Yeah, they have not missed their window yet. We're still continuing to peak you're not 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 peak yet we're still continuing to ascend to hopefully whatever the peak is when they actually turn them and unlike jay white 
you know, maybe hopefully they have a good idea as to when that be, when that will be and when the best time to do that is. We shall see. I certainly, as Mike alluded to, I certainly worried that they had kind of just missed the boat on Wardlow altogether. But it looks like- I, I never had any doubt in Wardlow. I would never doubt Wardlow. I would never doubt Hangman Page. Uh, those guys deliver every time. So, you know, put me put me down in your notebooks as being right on this. I didn't doubt Wardlow. I doubted Tony Khan that he oh. was going to uh, – you know, cash in on Wardlow in the yeah. correct way. Fair enough. Although, you know, Wardlow is just uh, such a beacon of charisma that he can probably overcome a little bit of misstepping. Well, speaking of guys who have not gotten uh, the due they deserve in AEW, my elite pick, uh, Santana and his performance on this show. Uh, I, I probably give Nate credit for being like a longtime Santana respecter and uh, a push Santana guy as a singles. And uh, he's right. I mean, Santana has often shown as the, the, the brightest spot in the inner circle when he's gotten a chance to do so like on the mic particularly. Uh, but he really, I, I don't want to call it a coming out party because the guy's been good for a long time, but it felt, like something. It felt like we were watching a moment happen where, uh, you know, he's in the ring with Chris Jericho and yet he was easily the most compelling person in the ring. He got the first, well, I guess Jericho started the promo, but you know, then they come out and Santana talks for a while, like for a a decent amount of time, but it never got boring. It was always compelling. Uh, his, the story made sense. His characterizations were great. It's like, yeah, this guy, not just can you make this guy a singles, but he can be a top star in the company. I uh, just thought he was great. Oh, yeah. That's, I think, one of those early inner circle promos. They did a couple of them. There was one in particular that was a backstage pre-tape, um, and they had Jericho talk for a while, and then they let Santana talk for a while. Uh, and that one in particular, I mean, I'd always, you know, going back to uh, uh, Santana Ortiz's EYFBO, I was always really high on that team. Um, but that promo in particular, I was like, oh, this guy, th- like this is a future world champion level type guy. Like I, I, I think I probably said that on the show at the time. Um, and yeah, this is this is paying that off. I'm glad they had the trust in him to go out there and and give him that position uh, and be able to, you know, shut like Jericho down and be like, no, like this is my time, you know, uh, it's easier when he has something I think he can sink his teeth into like, oh, uh, we've been in this thing with Jericho for so long that it's kind of uh, overshadowed, you know, what me and Ortiz do, what our potential is. Uh, and that's, you know, something easier to show some fire about and show some sincerity about and show some, uh, uh, you know, emotion about and, and some intensity about than like, doing you know whatever fake wrestling feud you have with the pinnacle or whatever their other programs have been right so that helps um and yeah you know the crowd i think did uh the crowd was really i think buying into this at the the right places where you want them to where it's like well you know they like the inner circle they like chris jericho chris jericho is still a big star and a big baby face in this uh but they also see like oh yeah no you're right like Santana Ortiz, these are these are guys that should be getting, you know, world title programs in the tag team division, and they should be getting 
some of these opportunities and they were uh, behind him there too. So yeah, I saw there were a lot of reactions, I think on Twitter that were like, Oh wow. What a, what a star making a performance, you know, what a top level thing from Santana here. Um, and yeah, I don't think they're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. It did feel like a moment, but uh, yeah, I was happy to see what I think is, has always been there and they just haven't uh, capitalized on yet. And it's not like he hasn't capitalized on his opportunities before. Like, I mean, he is a part of the the parking lot brawl that got five stars. Like, he has, whenever that Santino Ortiz actually have been given the opportunity to be highlighted and not just be the ancillary members of the inner circle, they've been exquisite. And every, and as y'all said, as soon as Santana has something he can sink his teeth into, he's one of the better promos in the company. So if anything, it's confirmation of what we've been saying for a while about him and about Ortiz. And it was something that really, it, it, it it's something where I, I can't say that like it was uh, Santana eating Jericho's lunch because like, it's very clear that if Jericho wanted just to like, just like stomp all over that, like a petulant child in that promo, he would have. But instead it was something that, I think that we we saw the, everyone take the step back and highlight the person in the inner circle who probably should have been uh, highlighted all along. And even then, like you even have like Sammy doing like throwing down the cut, and it's just like, all right, Sammy, whatever at this point with him, because everyone was so fascinated by Santana's promo there and Ortiz as well, and it just was excellent there. Like they they instantly provide life to a unit that they refuse to break up and everyone kind of questions their purposes because we were because people are reminded these guys have been this great all along. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought this served Sammy pretty well as well. He got a big chant. He maybe got the biggest chant out of any of the guys in here. Um, and you know, they, they played that up well with Jericho trying to shut him down and Sammy not having any of it. So, uh, you know, if there's really a success story of the inner circle, I think they've gotten Sammy Guevara over as like, uh, now a, a top, top guy in a over and uh you know pretty consistent secondary champion so uh you know that that's really the the guy that's been elevated the most by this group because obviously jericho is already on top guy level so um yeah i think that this was you know i i had some dread because we've seen some pretty rough inner circle talking segments in this promotion you know we've had your uh, debate segments. We've had your town hall segments. We've had all these things. Uh, but like the MJF and CM Punk segment, this advanced the story. We saw something happen come out of it. Uh, and everybody kind of got their, got their shit in. So I was pretty happy with it. I think Chris Jericho, I mean, what Mike said really made me think that Chris Jericho deserves quite a bit of credit in this segment because it did feel like he was getting his lunch eaten, but as Mike pointed out, he was allowing that to happen. I mean, he was letting Santana shine. He let Sammy shine. Uh, I hope, I don't know, you know, maybe they're going to figure out a way to keep all these guys together, and I hope not. But if they're going to go through with the breakup, would really love to see Jericho put Santana over and uh, let that be a, a rocket ship point for him. Yeah, um, you know, they did a whole big MJF and Jericho feud uh, that had MJF 
win what two out of three times i think and then jericho won the all-out match that sounds right and then they you know did stadium stampede etc um but if they had they can just do a little program with uh santana and ortiz versus jericho and hager and you know sammy's kind of in the wind that's a good spot for him because he's got his own you know kind of crew and he's got his own title to worry about and you know they can build to a big jericho and santana match have santana get a win and then just maybe be like hey you know uh i respect what you did for me or whatever you know we we, we got put on this company thanks to you and jericho you know can shake his hand they can both walk away from it you know baby faces who respect each other but they're not in a unit anymore i think that's a a great launching pad for santana and it's something for like jericho giving him like they should lose the tag match like jericho and hager there's no reason why they should beat them that that means that they're probably going to win sadly but uh jericho like getting falls on jericho still matter in AEW, and it's something that yeah he's been giving up more of them and it's not the cachet of mjf getting the first two falls against cm punk but or hangman getting the first fall against brian danielson but it's something that would do a whole lot of good and i think then you would be able to have a focus santana ortiz in a tag division that really could use them you know i mean gun club i i love the gun club Y'all know I've been early on Austin Gunn, you know, like it, like it's something that it's a great act there. But having Santana and Ortiz around like this and been kept away from the title picture for over a year now, having them back in the title picture coming off of like a win and like whatever happens here kind of needs to happen in my mind. So I hope that's I hope that's the path they're going to go down. Yeah, I mean, they do have a lot of good teams. Got to find time for them. As as ever is the story in AEW. Our listener elite is just, you know, shocking that we haven't uh, talked about this yet. Our buddy Swirls, the AEW World Heavyweight Champion, Hangman Adam Page, is Swirls' pick. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a good time for us to talk about the main event. Yeah, uh, Aaron, you did tweet that that was like your match of the year, and then you didn't pick it as your elite segment on this show. <laughs> Well, I wanted to talk about, okay, here's a little peek behind the curtain, folks. I was going through the listener elites, and the only one about Santana was from Grindr, and I've picked his like two or three weeks in a row or something. So I was like, you know what? There's a lot of elite picks for the main event. I'm going to go Santana and then loop it in in the listener section. Yeah. So I was expecting you to go there. Otherwise, I probably would have just picked it. Um, maybe this was all laid out in your notes. I don't know. I didn't look. Uh, tremendous match. Great fucking death match. Adam Page and Lance Archer in the main event. Um, Adam Page, I mean, he's been champion for, I don't know, like two months or something. Uh, and he had uh, a, an unbelievable 60-minute match with Brian Danielson. Then he had... Uh, what is my presumptive match of the year right now in the second match with Brian Danielson, which was, uh, you know, a, a bloody wrestling match in like the best senses of both of what both those words mean. This was like actually like a like a bloody garbage brawl <laughs> more than a wrestling match like that. Uh, and he showed up again. These guys went out and had a pretty crazy match, had a super inventive finish. Um with hangman 
I mean, they, they gimmicked that super well with Hangman ripping some barbed wire off of a chair to get out of a spot and then doing the, what's it called? Buckshot lariat over the referee because the top rope was down and going to the table with Lance Archer and what was a repeat of how Lance Archer had beaten John Moxley for the IWGV US title. Um, I, I, Hangman, I don't know. You know, he's bled a lot recently. There's a ton of blood in this promotion. I don't know if I've seen blood look as thick as it looked on Hangman Page's face in this match. Like, you could see, like, there were multiple layers of blood on one side of his face. Um, so, yeah, you know, he shows up every time and puts in these matches, and they, uh, you know, give him the time and give him the, the space to go out here and have crazy violent matches. Um so yeah, he's that's why he's the AEW champion. That's why he is the inaugural EE Real World Champion here in the month of January. And what a strong defense he had to start February. You know, I mean, could maybe like start a little streak here. I mean, the only other championship men's championship defense I could think of was Kai's last week. So I mean, I think he has a leg up in that scenario here. It, it's something that with. Uh, with Hangman and the fact that as champion, they've kind of taken the route that he does not wrestle as much, especially when compared to Kenny Omega, who constantly was doing elite uh, like trios and like just like multi-man tags. That it's it's something that you you know, it's not that you kind of forget about Hangman, but it, it, he's just not as ever present in your mind as like this is the guy. So he comes out and has this absolute bloodbath. Like yeah, this is the thickest blood I've seen this promotion. Like this wasn't like aspirin blood. Like this wasn't like you're taking aspirin to make sure you're bleeding, but it's also really thin blood because aspirin's a blood thinner. It was just like viscous. And it was something that Nate, actually I wanted to ask you about this because uh, for the TV, I know that of course, I think this time you're actually at the Olympics right now. So you are watching this from China. Uh, Where did he like, Bleed, start bleeding because we came back from picture in picture and half of his face was crimson mm. red well um i don't know when he bladed but certainly the spot where the blood became evident was when archer wait did they have picture in picture you said yes right yes yes yeah uh when he took the dismantled top ring rope and took the hook uh and and grinded it against his forehead like okay. it was nick gage with a pizza cutter mm-hmm. uh that that was where the blood became apparent uh and it also make me think of that indie guy was that warhorse who had the hook in his mouth and got thrown over that was yeah. gross yeah that was Warhorse. Um, so that was the spot uh yeah i may be in serious trouble with uh the chinese government for watching that content here uh from beijing uh because i don't know that that is going to pass their content guidelines um so hopefully you know shad and tony can bail me out or whatever okay so uh him getting the hook of the turnbuckle that is sick because like that's something that as soon as the turnbuckle came down when lambert brought down the turnbuckle it's like okay now we can start doing crazy stuff with the actual turnbuckle that's sick so i'm glad i'm glad that happened it's something that this match like it just keeps you anticipating that's like you, you then had the big face off between him and madam cole and you're like all right now we didn't really have what was going to be next for him after the danielson matches now we kind of have an indication that's probably going to be for revolution in march and you know it reminds us he's he he is not the ace 
but he is the world champion and he and he felt like the biggest star in the company after that match and like especially the way he bled and just the crazy stuff like they dang near made both the chair the stairs bend and made a garbage can explode with his body that's nuts that's insane that stairs spot was grotesque yeah gnarly yeah yeah maybe then you have a stairs match it's the only way you can up the stakes. The only thing more severe than a Texas death match is a stairs match. I said on light this morning that I didn't really care about the story, but that I expected the match would deliver. I didn't think it would deliver to this level, but I was confident that it would be fun. And it was like insanely fun. Great match. Somehow in 2021, I guess I just became a, deathmatch only guy so i just only like death matches this was a death match they bled uh yeah the, there were at least two just fucking nut spots uh so what more do you want blood and cool spots i'll fucking take it i gotta give them credit because i said they did it in every single you know plunder death match hardcore match whatever cracker bell clash no thumbtacks in this match so i think that's the first time in at least a year that they haven't had thumbtacks in a in a hardcore match. We got to get rid of the worked barbed wire. I don't know. It's over, so I don't know that you do. Yeah, you know, as Aaron, you've become the deathmatch fan. I just care about working and if it's over. And baby, the worked barbed wire is over. You got to stick with it there, you know? no No reason to reinvent the wheel here. I think if you want to get rid of the work barbed wire, Aaron, you have to come up with a suitable replacement that they can start using at every death match. I have one. Are you going to say real barbed wire? Real barbed wire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's my replacement. Hmm. Hmm. Fair. I don't fair. know if that counts. I guess. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, I mean, Jersey's not a commission state to my knowledge. They could have like done tubes here. We could have had... We could have gotten real, really sick with it. Maybe that's what Aaron needed is he needed to see a uh, hangman take a light tube to the face. Yeah, what's a appropriate weapon for these guys? A, a cowboy weapon? I mean, barbed wire does make sense for cowboys. A spur. A spur. Ooh, a spur would be gnarly. A spur? I mean, I've been calling for them to somehow incorporate Terry Funk in this. He, Terry Funk should take a uh, hangman under his mentorship and give him the double cross brand brand would be sick uh the chainsaw that terry funk gave to dean ambrose which then did not play into their terrible brock lesnar match would be good do you guys start watching reacher yet no it's on my list gotta gotta, gotta watch reacher not I, a reacher i've been watching guy. a lot of blow deck lately. what are you talking about not a, aaron you like death matches you will like reacher um, I don't know. I, I, it just that doesn't appeal to me in any way. Did you see the movie? No. I mean, you liked Bosch, right? Yeah. Bosch. Okay. Bosch. Okay. Well, this is like Bosch, except he's uh like a giant hobo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and also, and also like a he's probably a super detective. That's like you know, five times more observant and uh, deductive than Bosch is. I thought, I mean, I thought Reacher was just like an action movie. No, I mean, yes, kind of. It's like a detective action movie. He's like solving a crime of some kind. Um, and then, you know, also gets into three bar fights per episode or whatever. 
Been watching Sons of Anarchy. Have you watched Sons of Anarchy? Well, if you like, I haven't, but I know if you like Sons of Anarchy, you'll like Reacher. Yeah. I like, as, as Mike told me when I started to watch it, I like Sons of Anarchy because it's dumb. I mean, it's like, yeah. Sub, I mean, it's good in its own way, but largely it's just like very funny. <laughs> and everyone yeah, this in the is- show is incredibly dumb. Like, that is the conceit. Is it's dumb people who are incredibly confident in what they're doing is smart, but it's all incredibly dumb. Yeah, there's absolutely an element of that to reach. I mean, you know, it's like Bosch is not actually a smart show. It's also a dumb show. But it's like, you know, a, a, glo- a dumb show that's glossy in a really appealing way. Does that make any sense? For sure. That's the same. That's the same tone we're dealing with here. All right. I'll... I'll think about it. I'll put it on the. Anyway, list. this made me. This match made me think of Reacher because, like, in the first episode, he like puts his his thumb through somebody's eye, and the, the guy's bleeding all over the fucking place. It made me think of Reacher because it had me reaching for the notebook. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to go someplace. <laughs> I thought that was going to be so much worse than it was. I don't know why. <laughs> when it just became like an actual, like normal Cordy joke, I really was tickled by it. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm thinking of just skipping uh, the delete segment. I feel like most of the show was good. Um, I, I mean, I, I, you know, the, the Serena Deep thing was like pointless, but I'm not really going to. Yeah, delete them doing a second women's match for the first time in a year and a half or whatever. So sure, let, yeah, we just have consensus on that. Sure, yeah, yeah I, like I agree the, with that. Like, I was really like pulling at straws, and like the only thing I bring up is like for the wrestling show, there wasn't a whole lot of wrestling on there, which is complete cop out. Delete, like that's when you really are just like I have to complain about something, you know? Uh, uh, yeah, you're not wrong. Although you know, a very meaty. Moxley and uh, Punk versus FTR match. I thought, it's, you know, that was a fucking knockdown drag out. I don't know how long it was. Felt like 17 minutes, maybe. Uh, and I Which will. Is, oh, go ahead. I'm going to say another thing because I can't tell if you're talking or not. Um, <laughs> I think they've, uh, I, they haven't found success with this every week out. So we don't always have a dynamic that works like this or dynamites that, you know, work with this intent. But I kind of have this idea in my head that they're doing this thing where the dynamite is the, uh, you know, cable wrestling. I mean, it's not different from what Kara said, which is that dynamite is a good raw and rampages them doing their own show. Right. But they've kind of shortened. I think some of the match times on dynamite recently, a little, it feels like you're getting more, uh, backstage segments or talking segments or promo packages or whatever. Uh, And then Rampage, you're getting more of the meaty matches, which I really think is a good dynamic for the live crowd because it's like you kind of have the fun car crash stuff for the first two hours, and then you get your money's worth by having like a couple good main event matches on the Rampage taping that comes after it. And I think that's a good way to lay these shows out if that's kind of the intent. Uh, our listener delete, I'll go ahead and have that anyway. Uh, our friend, our patron, J-Pop deletes a decade of Lance Archer being wasted tagging with D.H. Smith. 
<laughs> yeah, D.H. Smith is a funny guy. <laughs> Got <laughs> returned to the WWE somehow. <laughs> uh, debuted on like a pre-raw dark match or something and then got fired for being unvaccinated yeah uh just like appeared in nxc uk i think like like and then got fired for that just like a did this generation of hearts just this generation of hearts like for a while it seemed like that he was the normal one no he's just like all the rest no yeah it, it continues to be true that brett was and is the only one that approaches normal <laughs> and every other heart oh is and, and will uh, always be crazy uh, oh, sure. Be, you know, a character in his own right. That's true. Yeah. Lo- remember, like, remember when he would just like post him in kimonos? <laughs> yes. Have you seen the picture of his bedroom? <laughs> yeah. No, I, Have I you seen so. this area? I mean, oh, it it's like fully, uh, I, 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 I want to say cosplay, but that's not the right word. It's, it's, it's the bedroom of a person who wears kimonos. <laughs> It's all, uh, you know, Japanese decor and like, it's pretty intense. I mean, you know, it's just weaved out. I can't say it, does, it doesn't look kind of pretty cool, but <laughs> I, you know, if I'm going to do that, I'm not going to wear a kimono in there because that's that's gilding li- the lily. Yeah, it definitely like he has a little bit of like a C-rate Steven Seagal vibe going on in that bedroom. I feel like that's a fair <laughs> way of putting it. Wow, that's okay. That's a little stiff because Steven, Steven Seagal. I mean, I mean, a, an A grade Steven Seagal is kind of a stiff shot. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how he looks like whenever he's like wearing like the yeah. kimonos. Like, I'm well, not wrong. Yeah, well, I, you know, it's a little harsh. He probably knows more martial arts than Steven Seagal too. I'm trying to find a pic- the picture, but I can't find it. So if anybody has it. You know, send it to me so I can laugh at this. All right. Well, let's talk about the rest of the show. I mean, I guess we pretty much talked about uh, the first segment with the pinnacle out there and and, and Punk's involvement. Uh, but it led to MJF saying, if you beat FTR with any tag partner other than Darby or Sting, uh, I'll give you a rematch. So he's got to beat them. Then he gets MJF again. Uh, and we find out that Wardlow's going to have a match next. Then on Dryley's backstage with Sting and Darby. Uh, Darby wants to be TNT champion. On says he's going to be the next TNT champion. And Sting engages in some uh, problematic accent usage. He just said a word in Spanish, right? He didn't use a problematic accent. <laughs> I don't know. I He was just trying to pronounce it correctly. I you can't the, cancel Sting, Aaron. <laughs> I would never cancel Sting. I went to the bathroom, and when I got back, it was just the Andrade part, so I asked in the Discord what I missed, and basically everybody said that Sting did a boo-boo uh, in his promo. I got to I gotta differ from the Discord on this one. I think All he right. just said two words in Spanish. <laughs> was it mucho respecto? <laughs> <laughs> it was más o menos. Um, uh, oh, muscle manos. All right, that's good. He was, yeah, he was trying to have a human connection with his uh, his opponent, Andrade. That's nice. No, I, I love Sting. I would never cancel him. Wordlow versus The Blade. 
<laughs> if if Sting ever got canceled, I would be like one of the free R <laughs> Twitter accounts. <laughs> I would turn into like one of those people. <laughs> I was reading a lot about our friend Jokar Sarnayev the other day. You're going on Tucker Carlson to defend Sting. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Wardlow beat the blade with the powerbomb symphony and then they did the spears uh chair attack afterward just want to like throw a couple more roses at sean spears he's found the perfect role now too many roses too many roses okay i'll throw one rose he's he's fine i i mean considering i feel like like anybody could do this but look as insane as he does that requires a skill he doesn't like he puts a cap on his head i can put a cap on my head I just want to confirm to everyone that Nate just put a cap on his head. Over my headphones, even. Let's see Sean Spears do that. <laughs> Nate's uh, a, a big beanie guy. Yeah, well, it is winter. Uh, my head does get cold. Well, I mean, as you, like Sarah and I talk about Japan all the time, and you're saying something about Japan, and I don't know why this occurred to me, but I was like, did Nate wear a jacket? Uh, when we were in Japan, and she was like, no, I think you just wore a beanie. <laughs> well, I did. I, I wore a beanie, and I have one of those uh, super heavy American giant hoodies, mm. which is basically as good as a jacket. All right. So that is what I wore most of the time. Except the fucking the first day we were there, New Year's Eve, it was unbearably cold. <laughs> it was so cold. Uh, then we got a video with Penta where he was uh, digging a grave, it appears. Uh, important note, and he confirmed this on Twitter. This is him back in his mask from Lucha Underground. Oh, he's unleashing. I think he said Penta Obscura. They gotta, I got. Oh, go ahead. They got to bring in. Uh, fucking, Vampiro. What? Vampiro. Mil Muertes. Vampiro. Vampiro. I mean, didn't who did the. Vampiro was match. the higher power. Vampiro versus Penta was the big breakout match. Yeah, he was the deathmatch pope. Okay, that's God, not- that looks so cool. Shit. Who did the casket match is what I'm asking. I and think like- Mil Muertes also did a casket match. Wasn't that against Phoenix, though? Yeah, that was against Phoenix because they made okay. a big deal about the man of a thousand lives versus the man of a thousand deaths. Ooh, that's a pretty good tagline. It was a good match, as I recall. But it's been a while. Anyway, yeah, Vampiro for sure. Obviously, they got to do uh, a human torch match in AEW. And they just have to put him on commentary for dark permanently. Absolutely. Uh, we had the inner circle team meeting, which we've discussed at length. So we're going to get Santana Ortiz versus Jericho and Hager next week. Uh, Rapongi Vice was backstage. Young Bucks interrupted. They and Adam Cole attacked Rapongi Vice. And then uh, the switchblade, Jay White appears and throws trent into a truck and this was either just like perfectly taken by trent or he's a big dummy who just like ran into this truck uh yeah i mean you know trent did take those new age bumps and get thrown against the wall to the point where he had to have major neck surgery so could believe it either way really uh great little parting shot by jay white here where he looks at nick jackson and says nice earrings and then walks off. 
uh you know he's got for a guy who you know has not done american television well he's an impact now i guess but for a guy who came up in the new japan dojo and was doing new japan tours uh the guy has a magnetic tv personality i think so we'll see now now that they've broached the forbidden door with jay white you know let's see if they can get something out of him he's uh i think a good talent you know if, if you break him out if they had jay white in there doing texas death matches instead of uh 48 minute new japan epics i think you might have something now i'm actually interested in the idea of jay white versus hangman page in a texas death match that's uh there, there's some meat on that bone yeah I was also struck by Jay White kind of just looks like supersized Adam Cole. Like they both have the hair and beard, but Jay White's like a foot taller and much bigger. And has, that li- Chonko. has lifted a weight. <laughs> so I was kind of like, ooh, you know, can we get Jay White a video game stream and maybe make <laughs> something happen there? So you want Jay White to shrink himself versus Adam Cole improving his no, body no no i i just wonder if you know is there a way to get jay white to the overness level of adam cole you know get him a likey ruckus theme song get him a uh a killer brand like the chugs are, so, yeah, I, you know, I think the guy's talented are you suggesting that next week the boom hits and jay white walks out and we just all pretend what that- is the kiwi of equivalent of the boom I don't know. I don't have a good bit for this. I was trying to think of the name of Peter Jackson's production studio and I couldn't get it. <laughs> Starts with a W, I think. Wingnut? Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Uh, Isaiah Cassidy versus Keith Lee. Lee won. Ground Zero is the name of that move. I didn't know that. That's what he called it in Evolve, at least. Hmm. Never never watched it. <laughs> <laughs> never heard of it. Uh, afterwards, Mark Quinn attacked. Uh, they kind of both got the best of him, and then uh, he caught them both on separate dives and then powerbombed Mark Quinn onto Isaiah Cassidy and then powerbombed Mark Quinn onto the uh, ring apron. So uh, a fun time for Keith Lee. Matt Hardy there stormed was. off. That's right. Matt, Matt Hardy did a Jeff Hardy. He just walked off into the crowd and disappeared. So that was funny. Uh, there was a moment where I thought he was going to catch Isaiah Cassidy and then also catch Mark Quinn while holding Isaiah Cassidy. Same. Yeah. And I was a little bit, you know, uh, Keith Lee, like I said, he was my elite. This was like, I think, very well executed. He was like a step slow a couple times. Like there was a point where Isaiah went and did like a pop-up drop kick on him. And he was like, you know, halfway turned around the wrong way. Uh, so I was like throughout the match also a little bit like on the edge of my seat, like, oh, you know, he hasn't been in the ring in X long. I, I think he was out with COVID for a long time. Uh, you know, maybe he's not 100%. Uh, if he tries to catch both these guys, what if he just crashes and burns and the whole thing is a disaster? Uh, so I'm glad they... <laughs> you know, simplified it a little bit and instead just catching Mark Quinn, having him hanging upside down, uh, looked awesome. And we had a video, uh, for the Thunder Rosa Mercedes Martinez feud. We had Britt Baker saying she's the one who brought in Mercedes. 
and tells us that when this match happens, it's going to be no disqualification. All right, then we had FTR versus CM Punk and John Moxley. Moxley was the surprise tag partner. Punk pinned. Okay, I'm trying out a, a new one here, Nate. I don't know if you saw my tweet. I'm, I'm trying to switch to FTR cut and FTR gut. What do you think? Um, yeah, I, th- I did see that on the timeline. I thought it was, you know, moderately clever. <laughs> That's all I can ask for. Everything in moderation. That's right. So I've come to a theory about John Moxley, guys, that really right. kind of came true in this match. His pants are too big. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he needs to, you know, get a belt or, you know, that. But uh, is John Moxley the greatest vibes wrestler of this era? Like, he's, he's out there because he's just kind of vibing around. Like, like he's sloppy as all heck, and it's really cool. And you just kind of, like, watch him just do, like, flying, uh, like that slingshot uh, plancha he did that ended up being, like, a knee strike. And it's just like, oh, yeah, John Mosley, he's just kind of vibing out. Like, that, that kind of struck me during this match. I mean, certainly I can think of, he's probably the one that has peaked the highest in terms of career achievements, if that's what greatest means. Yeah, like like he's just like it's not like Sabu kind of was a vibe wrestler, but different in a way. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a he has a vibe unto himself for sure. I did think you know I I have complained I complained on Patreon show. I mean not complained, but because really I you know don't really care because the guy's a big star and that's what matters to me more than anything because you know the wrestling hasn't had any stars in a generation or whatever. Um. But, you know, I've often said Moxley's offense leaves something to to be desired. Like you said, he's a little sloppy. He's not always out there looking like he's, you know, killing guys. Uh, But there were a couple of spots in here where I thought it looked better than it has. He uh, laid out some nice Germans. Uh, He did the plancha over the top at the end and, you know, went like full force into the guy instead of just kind of pushing off of him. Um, So I thought he got a little a little of his mojo back here. We had uh, Jade Cargill versus AQA, and Jade won with Jaded. Yeah, AQA hit a nice-looking shooting star press. That got a good reaction. Uh, Then they had a totally botched follow-up thing where she got back on the turnbuckle and then just kind of jumped off it because Jade wasn't uh, seemingly in the right position or something. Uh, But yeah, you know, pretty good showing for her, I thought, here, and Jade gets a decisive win so pretty good yeah i really enjoyed this i this was my first time really seeing aqa and i thought she looked awesome in this i thought she was like uh like her shooting star was like the old school like seidel and paul london like touched your toes while doing it and that was really kind of sick and we got a tour of the islands into the jaded that was a lot of fun like this was but like i i was it's something that like I would like to see more of AQA around, and I thought Jade looked great in this as well. We had the Young Bucks and Adam Cole backstage. Bucks saying they're going to climb to the top of back to the top of the tag team rankings. And as I said earlier, uh, Matt asked that Cole warn them in the future before they invite someone like Jay White because he and Kenny were arch enemies. Uh, then we had Serena Deeb come out. She was having the five minute rookie challenge. She had to survive five minutes. In the ring with Serena Deeb. Katie Arquette was her first challenger. Uh, Deeb tapped her out in about 
uh, one minute with the Serenity Lock. All right, the Jurassic Express and Gun Club feud got a hype video. Basically, Jurassic Express doesn't think Gun Club deserves a title shot, uh, but Gun Club reminds them that actually they are gorgeous and athletic. Uh, Billy got a nice little tag here with uh, got two words for you. New champs. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, I, I like them kind of building up this match this way. Like we, we've seen a lot of back and forth there. And I guess we're not doing like the trios match that we got building up to this. And, you know, for Colton and Austin, like this is going to be a interesting match. They've been really fun on Dark and Elevation as of late. They've been doing a lot of Atomicos with the Acclaimed. And that's like a fun grouping there and you know this is probably the thing like looking at rampage that i mean young bucks versus rapongi vice but strong tag night on friday looking forward to it then uh we have the main event men's world title and hangman one uh, archer couldn't answer the 10 count after the um what's it called the buckshot lariat through the table so then we had Post-match, Adam Cole came out. In the, I didn't say that in the little Bucks Cole backstage segment, Cole said he had a an announcement soon, or it was going to make a statement soon, I believe is what he said. And unlike Tony Khan, he followed through, made his statement by coming out, grabbing the title, uh, and kind of putting it back on Adam Page's shoulder. You know, just letting us know he's going to be challenging Adam Page. That's right. We got more. Bullet Club, bad blood here. Uh, but yeah, like we said, great match. Uh, Cole's a guy that they've, you know, protected and heated up ever since he came into the company. Has been getting good reactions since he came into the company. You know, should probably be a guy in the title picture, one of the title pictures. Um, so I think this is a, you know, a, a program with a little more meat for Hangman Page. Like you said, there wasn't a lot to the story with Lance Archer, but didn't, you know, didn't intend for there to be, didn't expect there to be. It was just his, you know, uh, uh, I guess not the first notch on his belt because he had the Danielson thing, but it was just the second notch on his belt to get him established as the champion kind of, and then move on to the next guy. Now Cole's the guy they've been building for a little bit longer. Uh, and you've got, you know, a little history there you can play off and hopefully turn into a more compelling story. Yeah, and I, I guess the question to be asked is, I guess, we, we think this is the next program, right? This is, it's pretty clear, like, without just saying, like, this is the next match here. Is this the first time you really kind of see uh, Hangman's Hal Rain in doubt? Because I'm kind of feeling that here with him and Pay, uh, him and Cole. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely the most so far. I had, you know, 100% confidence that he was going to defend against Danielson, and defend against Archer. There was no doubt in my mind about those. Uh, but yeah, you know, Cole's a guy who came in hot, has remained pretty hot. Uh, I don't know what their kind of metrics say. Uh, he, he didn't sell more shirts than Danhausen, so I don't know that that's going to be a, a big mover for them. Um, do I ultimately think that they're going to change the belt? I don't think so. I think Hangman is their guy, and I think they really want to establish him as like, no, like we're serious. We're talking about like face of the promotion, top guy champion here. Um, but yeah, certainly they're, they're going to have a match where I have doubt like, Oh, I thought they might put it on Cole there. So that's, you know, going to make for a more exciting program. Absolutely. Yeah. It should be fun. And it is, a, I've been saying, I just want 
Page to beat all the big guys they have. And Cole is like a huge scalp for for Page to get. So that would be, I hope that's what happens. I mean, you can't, from like one standpoint, you can't go wrong putting your world title on Adam Cole. Like he's a big star. People love him. I would just hate to cut out Page's knees. That's the That's the downside. Right, yeah, and, and like that's the thing is it'll be interesting to see over the next month or however long until they run this match how they're going to do it because it does feel like Cole is someone who's already cemented as the guy in his prime and you have Paige looking like this could be the run for him and as Nate said, I didn't think there was any doubt in his three previous defenses, so it's kind of interesting to see like this is the first one where I'm kind of going like maybe I, I could see an argument for Adam Cole, so it's going to be real interesting. All right, well, that was Dynamite for this week. If you enjoy our show, the best way to support us is to head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. we got three different tiers. You know, check them out. we got it written on there what you get on those. But we have Light, where we preview Dynamite, uh, talk about Dark and Elevation. We have World Tour, where we talk about Rampage. And then we have bonus shows, uh, you know, just whenever we come up with stuff we want to talk about. That's a bonus. Uh, the Main one coming up this month, I think, will be part one of the This Is Sting series with me and Mike talking about uh, Sting's time in Memphis, in UWF, and in Jim Crockett. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm starting my watch tomorrow for this. Oh, exciting. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll definitely get this out. This is something that is a guy that at least for me, because I think I was the one WWF person out of the three of us primarily that like going back and I have watched a lot of like Crockett and some of UWF, but being able to kind of chart him through his career, who is like the viable name of WCW is going to be a lot of fun. I had a blast watching. I think I ended up watching 50 stick matches. That's not hyperbole. I just, I don't know. kept finding more I wanted to watch. So I had a good time. And now Mike and I will start talking about them. Uh, I just couldn't break it down to five matches like we normally do. So we're doing 15 matches over three parts. I hope you like Sting, folks. I thought it was 16. You, you cut a match on me? Well, I just haven't cut. I, I have six in part two, but I'm still planning to cut one. Okay. Okay. We'll we'll figure it out. We will. Uh, and we have a Discord. So come join that. It's a lot of fun and people will make these weird things appear and uh, wave at you if you join the discord should have just left it and make these weird things appear <laughs> i mean we got a good new emoji today well it, at the very least you get a bunch of really good aew emojis in the discord to use elsewhere all right patreon.com slash everything elite go sign up uh this weekend it's rampage we'll be talking about that on the patreon on world tour I don't know who's, uh, whose turn it is, but it's got to be mine because I don't think I've done it in a week or so. Not your turn. Oh, it's Nate and a guest, right? It's Nate and a guest. That's right. Uh, making their grand return to podcasting, being joined by John Carroll, who went to Dynamite and Rampage tonight. So John will be with me this weekend to discuss the show. All right. Well, welcome back, John. I don't think I knew that. So that's uh, exciting news. I know Omakase just recently. I'm not I'm not sure if John said it's taking a hiatus or if it's done. Hiatus, uh, but... I think, is the way they phrased it. Yeah. Okay, sick. So glad to uh, have a, an outlet for John's podcasting until then. 
I'll look forward to that. The Rampage that John and Nate will be talking about this weekend from Atlantic City is going to feature the Young Bucks versus Rapongi Vice. Uh, Brian Danielson will speak. Hook versus Blake Lee, QT Marshall's student. Uh, Britt Baker versus Robin Renegade. And for the tag titles, Jurassic Express versus Gun Club. A lot more matches. We used to just get three matches every week, and seems like that's inflating as we go further into time. Yeah, I may have to take back what I said about having the Meteor main event matches. Yeah. Well, but there's pro- two squashes. Two squashes, yeah. to be honest. I was going to say, your two tags... The... I'm sorry, Mike. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, your two tags on this show will probably be meaty. True. True. I don't know anything about Blakely. I tried to find this person on, like, socials, and I, I couldn't. No, no. And I feel like if that they've done a good enough job cloaking it because Drew would have found out. Drew is sure. the Instagram uh, nightmare factory whisperer. He would have found out if this was a person. So, yeah. No doubt. Uh, and then on Dynamite next week, they'll be in Nashville. We'll have Santana Ortiz versus Chris Jericho and Jake Hager. And the no DQ match, Thunder Rosa versus Mercedes Martinez. Mike and I will preview that show on light next Wednesday morning over on the Patreon. But I think that's it. For tonight so make sure you follow us on twitter at everything aew i'm at aaron like the car nate is at epitasis mike is at fuji hey ya uh, subscribe to the podcast give us a five-star rating and review give us a five-star rating over on spotify and subscribe to the patreon patreon.com slash everything elite all right for mike for nate i'm aaron we'll see you next week <laughs>